Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. You sound a little froggy. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, 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 for listeners, uh, not from the central Virginia region of the United States. This it's is, pollen time. Yes, it, this is the start of allergy season. And, um, <laughs> and for me... Which technically never really ends. It never really ends. <laughs> we have a dormant period for a couple months in the winter. Exactly, okay. in the dead of winter, like yes. December and January. And after that, all bets are off. Okay, so when we start having these false spring two or three days and things start budding, okay, uh, my allergies kicked in, it, which, of course, is, um, uh, uh, as Nia knows, because we've discussed this off recording, when I was a much younger person, I did not suffer from allergies. It was only when I got into my middle ages that all of a sudden my body was just like, get, be gone, okay? <laughs> what is this? what are these foreign substances? Okay. And my allergies have kicked in. And for me, it affects my uh, vocal cords, which is a problem because I talk a lot. <laughs> I moved all around the country as a kid. Yes. And it was not until I moved to RVA. It was not until I moved to Richmond, Virginia, yes. that I suddenly discovered that I was allergic to stuff. So yeah. I'm allergic to Richmond. It's good for me to know. Um, it's like but, cats. I'm allergic to cats and yet I cannot resist petting them. So I'm allergic to Richmond and yet I have absolutely no plans to move. So that, I don't know what that tells you about me, except that maybe I'm stubborn. Well, um, and well, I do love DC. I love my, love my job. But, yeah. And, and, um, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've made my home here and, right. um, and you just got to deal with the snot and the gravel. Yes. Right. Cause Yes. Although you do sound a little, t- you know, like, uh, what is her name? Turner. Um, oh, Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Ooh. Turner. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, if you're going to uh, sound uh, like anybody, she's the one you'd want to sound like. She's uh, got that uh, sort of gravel in her voice. Yeah. A movie recommendation. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, that's another uh, uh, nice actress reference. But in regards to uh, uh, Kathleen Turner, um, uh, and, and I'm drawing a blank. And Nia, you got access to your computer. She was in a movie with um, William Hurt. Heat. Body Heat. Body Heat. It was uh, written and directed uh, by uh, Lawrence Kasdan. It's a neo-noir uh, noir movie. Oh, is it quite good? She does a really good job as a femme fatale in that movie. And listeners, what will tell you about Augie's personality versus my personality <laughs> is that Augie went to the film noir, like serious film with where I think they were both nominated for best actor. <laughs> and I went to Michael Douglas romancing the stone, which is but, a ridiculous movie. Well, the plot's a, a rom-com and the plot's ridiculous, but those two ac- actors, they had great chemistry. They had great chemistry. And it was pretty obvious that they made that movie work simply because, okay, they openly embraced Okay, the how silliness far, of it. Yeah, the how far fetched you know the the basic plot was, and they right. had a lot of good time. They had a good time making it, right? Yeah, that's how yeah. I feel about Ocean's Eleven. It's got a great cast, and they were clearly having a good time. Like, sure, 
yeah. the whole point of that movie was yeah. to be, was to have fun. What the point of what we're going to talk about today is not particularly fun, but it is something that we have to. No, we it, have it, to. I think. Yeah, talk this about a, a little bit because it's a it's an act that got sort of I think slid under the radar. I don't think it got as much attention. No, I don't think as so I would have expected it would get. And, and, and it was one of those rare bipartisan efforts in the recent Congress that both that when Nia and I saw it in the news, we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, they're working together? Wait a minute. Yeah, and... Government's and, functioning? Okay, I'm going to sit down <laughs> and have a cup of tea because now I don't know how to handle life. Well, and, and another reason why uh, I wanted to do an episode about this law is because it's institutions, one institution of government responding to cues that another institution communicated okay and and again as an institutionalist and you know i I tend to view uh, political phenomenon through an institutionalist lens um this was pretty fascinating to me um so So we are talking about public law 17 117-228 yes the Respect, respect for marriage act okay and it was passed in late 2022 And it arose, and this is another phenomenal thing, it arose rather quickly after the Supreme Court's ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson, which was passed in, or which was issued by the court in June 2022. And I would argue that it's actually in reaction to one justice's commentary. Yes. In that case, it's not even the whole case. Yes. It's that it's that Justice Thomas freaked everybody out. Yes. Um, right? What Nia is referring to is in the Dobbs case, uh, which uh, for listeners, if you don't know that, um, uh, that's where the Supreme Court said that a woman's right to choose is not a constitutional right in the U.S. federal constitution. And uh, the majority opinion written by Justice Alito overturned um, uh, two Supreme Court precedents, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. But what Nee is referring to is uh, Justice Clarence Thomas's concurrence. In his concurrence, Clarence Thomas called into question the, the use of substantive due process as a justification for a number of Supreme Court rulings, including a case from 2015, Obergefell versus Hodges. Now, in the Hodges case, uh, Nia, the Supreme Court um, uh, declared what right for whom? Was that not that you had to recognize a marriage from another state? Uh, No, uh, Obergefell versus Hodges is where the Supreme Court said that same-sex couples had the same marriage rights as opposite sex couples. Thank you. Okay. Yes. So, and there were a majority of, an overwhelming majority of the states in the United States had prohibited before this ruling in 2015, um, same-sex marriage. And the Supreme Court, in a narrow vote, five to four, said that same-sex couples had the same marriage rights as did opposite-sex couples. 
<laughs> right? Because there's no constitutional, there's nothing in the constitution that says a marriage has to be yes. between a between two people of the opposite genders. Well, and for that matter, there's no constitutional right to marriage. So as you and I have discussed actually on this podcast, could all 50 states get rid of the institution of marriage tomorrow if they wanted to? Sure. <laughs> it would probably upset, you know, an a, a whole bunch of red states would. Yes. People okay. would freak out yes. and it would never happen in the red states. It might happen in a blue state just because, you know. Yeah, but I mean, the law and see what I mean, a whole happen. bunch of people when they, you know, you know, they get to a certain age, you're like, you know, hey, I want to get married, blah, blah, blah. OK, Although we have had states in the past not have schools rather than have desegregated schools. That's right. So yeah. there are instances of states cutting off their nose to spite their face to say, OK, well, if you say marriage is with anybody, we say there's no such thing as marriage. Yes. Um, which would be interesting. Uh, I anyway, yeah, but, that, but so you are correct. The law, the Respect for Marriage Act, came as a direct response to Justice Thomas's concurrence. That, the that none of that might be legitimate. They were like, yes. oh, no, 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 let's put something into law to protect. Yeah, because what you had was one institution, the Congress. Okay, who were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because if the court was willing to overturn its rulings about abortion, is the court willing to overturn its recently recent in, in, in the history of the court? Let's be very clear. 2015, okay. right? 20, yeah, 2015, recent precedent in regards to same-sex marriage. And that's what got Congress spurred to action. Someone might even argue that this was an overreaction. They um, went they went to an extreme by a potential possible maybe threat in the future of some kind. Well, I like yeah. I like that they that he said, you know, that may not apply to anything. And they went, ah, and they went right over and did something about it. Clearly, what we need is Justice Thomas to threaten the Congress more often. <laughs> to well, get them to do things <laughs> i mean you could say that i mean not that i'm certain that i like the idea of justice thomas being the enforcer but it is kind of an interesting well i mean in students ask me this all the time why do certain justices write certain concurrences right and i'm like oh and he does it a lot of times to yank people's chain let's well, be let's yeah. be honest well he may do it to yank people's chains on the other hand you know, one of the purposes of concurrences is to go ahead and send messages to the political branches, the states, the people, the com legal community. Hey, you know, you may need to think about this, right? Because right? if you brought another case that had a similar thing, we might. Yeah, and 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 um, and and Congress has demonstrated over over the years not overreacting their problem is they don't respond when the court does send <laughs> send them very clear messages right yeah <laughs> this is more unusual than it is anything you're going to get to why it's so unusual yeah. in terms of its bipartisanship later but what does the actual law do 
Yeah. Okay. So first, um, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act actually repeals the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, the infamous DOMA. Okay. Uh, DOMA was uh, passed by the Republican-controlled Congress and signed into law by Democratic President Bill Clinton. And the Defense of Marriage Act defined marriage as between a man and a woman and limited the receipt of federal benefits to that precise legal relationship. Right. Right. So you could not get someone's pension or Social Security. Like, none of that could happen if you were a same-sex couple. That's right. Um, Which is really what it was. I mean, part of that was that you weren't going to get the benefits of being married. You couldn't list on a form like he. You know, you like under tax benefits, yes. Right. None okay. of that stuff. That's I mean, how they were trying to control the idea that it is that marriage is between a man and a woman. By the way, it should be noted for the listener's record at this point. Augie, um, I hope you don't mind me saying, is divorced. Yes. And I am single, have never been married. Augie and I don't particularly hold the institution of marriage in any um <laughs> holy position in the sense of yeah i think neither one of us care who gets married as long as both people are adult consenting yes right right like we're not we're we're not we we don't have a dog in that fight yeah we don't have a dog in the fight and and and, and we don't and we honestly i think at least i'm speaking for myself and i'm pretty sure i'm speaking for argue when i say we don't care who wants to get married. Go ahead. It's a legal yes. contract. Go get married. Do whatever you want to do. As yes. long as, like we said, you're two consenting human adults, right? Doesn't involve animals, doesn't involve children, and it doesn't involve yes. people who can't consent. But if you can tick all the boxes, yeah, go I've, on with your happy self and do. Yeah, I've long subscribed to the Do- Dolly Parton, that infamous country music singer's view of marriage. When she was asked, did she have a problem with same-sex um, uh, couples getting married? And she replied, why should heterosexuals be the only one to enjoy uh, to enjoy the pains of marriage? <laughs> I mean, right. If you want to go ahead and do it, feel free, okay? Right. So, that's, sorry, we just yeah. wanted to a little yeah. aside on the fact yes. that we, yeah. don't, we don't actually... No, we don't. Yeah, I mean, have, that, I mean, we don't. In, we in don't, our current lives, we don't have a dog in that hunt. In this hunt, right? Right? Okay. Right. We're on the porch enjoying lemonade, and <laughs> y'all go on and get married if you want to. Yeah, right. We'll throw rice or confetti or yeah, okay. carnations or whatever makes you. Yeah, happy. I'll go online and you know find one of the the gifts that you have registered for, and I'll exactly. Get it. Okay, and, and and I'll show up to the ceremony and the reception. I will drink your booze. Okay. And and be happy for you. Yeah, and be happy. Yes. And right. as Augie and I are both cynical and say to ourselves in the back of our heads, wonder if this will be 50% of people who don't stay together. <laughs> but we will not say that to you at your wedding. No, because we'll be happy for you. We'll be happy for you because and we'll hope that you can make yes. it work. Yes. Just because yeah. neither one of us has been able to do that doesn't mean that other people can't do that. Exactly, right? Okay. And we want for them happiness. So yeah. anyway. So the, back to the law. So okay. back so to the, the first, law. So, so the, the first law's thing, provision. So the first thing it does is it gets rid of DOMA. Correct. The next thing, 
and the law was very clear about this, Nia. The bill, okay, the 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 law does not require um, the states to allow same-sex marriage. So it's not the federal government saying to all 50 states, you must allow same-sex marriage. That's the current reality because of the Supreme Court's Obergefell versus Hodges decision, okay? Right. Rather, what the law says is if the Supreme Court overturned Obergefell and previous state prohibitions on same-sex marriage came back into effect, this law would require the states and the federal government to respect marriages conducted in places where it is where it is legal. Can I make a comment yeah. here? So this is this is like after um, the court overturned Roe v. Yes. There were trigger laws in the states. Yes. That automatically made uh, abortion illegal in some states. And this is to prevent trigger laws in the states from automatically banning. No. They could still ban. Ban. It's just same sex marriage in their state. But if you got married in a different state, they would have to recognize your marriage. They can't make the law such that your marriage does not exist if you got married somewhere else. Is that that's right? That's correct. The Respect for Marriage Act is basically reaffirming one of the most important, in my estimation, one of the most important clauses in the U.S. Constitution. And that is the full faith and credit clause, which basically says, if you enter into a contract in one state, every other state has to honor that contract in its courts. So, Nia, you know. So, if you and I had a property dispute in Virginia. Yes. The And Virginia settled it. Yes. Every, every other, other court, state. I can't just say, well, then I'm going to sue you in North Carolina. Then I'm going to sue you in Tennessee. I'm going to sue you in all 50 states and drag this out forever. Yes. The courts yeah. would say, no, no, that decision has been made. And it's in the U.S. Constitution. So, you know, the, the classic dilemma is, let's say, Nia, you and I enter into a business contract. And after a few months to make drugs. Yes. Okay. Yes. See okay. earlier, see earlier episodes. Episodes, right? Okay. But after a few months, you come to the conclusion that being my business partner, okay, is um a fate worse than death. And you want to get you go out. all Thanos on me and start making things. <laughs> yeah, right. And you decide that you don't want to deal with this anymore. So your logic is, I'm going to move to another state, and I and you won't have to go ahead and fulfill your obligations per our contract. Uh-uh. Ah. If that contract was recognized by the Commonwealth of Virginia, it doesn't I matter. I can't move to Hawaii to get out of it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, because the because my lawyer can file a lawsuit in a state court in Hawaii. And that state court in Hawaii will force you to fulfill your obligations because of the contract you entered into in Virginia. Okay. So it's and not it, saying to Virginia, you have to allow same-sex marriage. No, it's it just saying, saying to Virginia, if a couple got married in California where same-sex marriage is legal yes. and they moved to Virginia, 
Yes. They would still get to file married jointly taxes in Virginia because their marriage is valid, regardless of whether you allow it in the state of Virginia or not. And if you get married in Virginia, and if that couple wanted to get divorced in Virginia, okay, Virginia would have to recognize the divorce. Okay. Ah, okay. Okay. So the carry on. Yeah. And then these are all related to the fact. And, and and I tell full my, faith and credit. The it's full the, faith and credit of the of the contract, right? Because otherwise, all fifty states could go off and herring off in crazy directions. And again, the full faith and credit clause was to address one of the primary problems of the Articles of Confederation. Nia, you had a whole bunch of states that were hyper competitive with one another, and they wouldn't honor the contracts, the business contracts entered into in other states, and it was just destroying the young nation's economy right because there would be no there would be no good reason for you as a business person okay to honor your contract because all you would have to do is just move to another state and say yeah okay come and come and find me and sue me in this other state that doesn't recognize that contract right okay 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 i mean i don't care if you're talking about capitalism socialism communism if a contract won't be honored in a different jurisdiction, then it's meaningless. Yeah. I mean, it's just mere words on a piece of paper. Okay. And guys, okay. and I'm sorry to do this. And if it seems like I'm being cynical about marriage, really, I'm not. But as far as all 50 states are concerned, it's a contract. Marriage is a business contract. And that's why you can go to the courthouse, sign the document that's, that agrees to whatever that state whatever yeah. the language is that they have. The that licensing agreement to. is between and two people. You sign it, the other person signs it. And as far as the state is concerned, you have entered into a contract of marriage. Yeah, that's right. This whole thing where you go someplace and you have, you know, lots of people involved and you have a, a dog that carries and your rings and you have all that stuff, right? Everything, all of that. And you have big food afterwards. All that is fluff. Yeah, because you have signed the document, or you will sign the document at the end of that day, yes. which is why the minister also has to be a representative of the state. That's it can't right. just be. That's why they say, "By the power invested in me, by humna humna hufty frufty," because yes. otherwise, it could be Augie saying, "Y'all seem married to me." <laughs> Go ahead with your bad selves. And the state does not recognize that. Let's because, have a beer. <laughs> because he hasn't put in the paperwork. Like it's a person who can put in the paperwork. That's right. Okay. They are licensed. But it is. It's a contract. It's yeah, like they, buying a car. It's like yeah, they, buying they, they, a house. Getting married is, a, is you make promises that you will do X thing and the other person will do X thing. And usually they are not um, moral promises. They are financial promises. That's right. Okay. Uh, because there is a lot of money, okay, associated with being married, okay, and there's yes. a lot of and, and there's a lot of benefits and penalties with being married, okay, financially, <laughs> okay. So, now, and you have to show ID, you have to prove you're over age. Yes, I mean, in many states, um, you have to take blood tests. Okay, yes, I mean, yeah. yes, okay, um, and in so many ways, you know, we have made marriage a bureaucratic institution. All oh, right? and by the way, you have to pay for that contract. Yes, you do. Okay. There's no, you can't go down to the courthouse and just sign the document. You have to pay. Yes, you do. Because. Yes. Okay. 
because there is nothing that involves the court systems or lawyers that doesn't involve. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, once the government bureaucratizes something, there are fees, right? right. Okay. <laughs> because somebody's time costs a certain amount of money, and there's overhead, and we need to keep the lights on at the courthouse. Blah blah blah. Right now, another part of this uh, law is the various religious ex exceptions in the law. And the, okay, so churches don't have to marry you. Okay, so yeah, because basically what or the perform law marriage, I should say. Okay, churches yes. don't marry people. Well, um, I don't know nuns, but okay, anyway. churches, mosques, synagogues, religious edu religious educational institutions, and other religious nonprofits cannot be sued if they refuse to quote provide services, accommodations, facilities, goods, or privileges for conducting or celebrating a same-sex marriage. Okay. Yes. And this was an important, this was an important provision of the law um, to garner support from um, Republican members of both houses of Congress. All right. Now, um, um, there are liberals, okay, um, and in particular, some uh, advocates for same-sex uh, couples um, who did not like that particular provision because they argue that it would allow religious organizations to discriminate against same-sex couples. Um, but to get uh, Republican support, um, that feature had to be added to the law. Can I? Yes. I'm going to venture a tiny little opinion here. Um, I don't think it's you should force churches to perform marriages that are outside their religious comfort zone. Um, yeah, I generally, I, yeah, I generally, I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, then it gets weird, right? That that's freedom of religion. And you get weird when you start saying to religions, I'm going to need you to perform a marriage that is outside your faith. I don't know. That's not, I think yeah, that's not a good idea to do that. The distinction I draw on Nia is government compelling organizations to do things against their beliefs and doctrines versus saying um, the religions don't have to, right? So if the free exercise clause of the First Amendment has any kind of meaning. It should allow religious organizations <clears throat> not to do things that maybe the majority want them to, right? I mean, because, you know, the majority is represented by the government, right? So the government compelling, or, uh, uh, say, for instance, uh, a Catholic church to have same-sex marriages, you know, wedding ceremonies, would strike me as the government forcing a religious group to do something, right? All this law, all this law says is these groups cannot be compelled, okay? Um, the flip to that is that the IRS gives them tax breaks, no, which well, one yeah, could yeah, argue well, costs... The oh, American sure. public, and therefore that is why they shouldn't be discriminating. Mean, the, the people who are saying that there is a discrimination problem do have a a foundation for that in saying, okay, then don't, then you don't get 
501c3 status. Oh, sure. You can discriminate all you want if you choose to do that, but you can't also claim benefit from the federal government because that takes away money from me and I have a different set of beliefs. Well, and 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 in so there is a legitimate argument to be made. Oh, sure, and and it's part of, for instance, why it's just that I feel weird about it. <laughs> well, and and I understand why you feel weird about it, but it's also the reason why an increasing number of Republican elected officials are saying to colleges and universities, if you're not going to be an unbiased seeker of truth and knowledge. Then you can't be a 501c3. That's right. Because um, for listeners outside the United States, many colleges and universities in the United States have prime real estate that they pay no taxes on. And you can say that about also churches, synagogues, okay, in uh, moss in and religious States. schools in religious schools okay they don't pay property taxes okay um you know and that's a huge tax break for them and they've accrued this over hundreds of years right likewise if institutions of higher education are increasingly okay teaching or encouraging okay a certain ideological point of view, then they're not unbiased, and therefore they should also ante up to the tax coffers and make their annual, if you will, donation via property taxes, right? right. Okay, and, and, and again, it's 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 a complicated. It, it is complicated, and, but, but mean, if you applied it to one, you'd have to apply it to all. Yes. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and again, because the American political system has been so based on pluralism, this idea that groups, okay, are in competition with one another, right? You know, telling religious organizations they cannot participate in the political life of the country where they reside, okay, goes against American political culture. Likewise, Nia, you and I work with a whole bunch of faculty who basically argue that we should be teaching students the correct way to think. Exactly. Okay. Instead While of it, helping them find their find their own voice, their own thoughts, their you know, own think, their own path through. Yeah, to think critically for themselves. Well, if right. that is the case, well, you know, okay, fine. But we're giving you a tax break predicated on you providing a, a neutral learning environment, a collective public good, right? right. And, and that's why I tell a lot of my students, I said, you know, the logic of giving tax breaks to religious organizations is that religion is supposedly a collective public good, right? It's good right. if a whole bunch of people, okay, are religious, now, if we disagree with that, then we need to elect politicians who will change the tax code of the United States, and not only the tax code of the United States, also the tax code for state governments, because most state governments also give generous tax breaks to religious organizations, organizations 
and institution and, and educational institutions. I, I was going to say, and institutions of higher education. So we'll have. I to... mean, I mean, think about, for instance, Richmond. Okay, which is yeah. which a, a large portion of land in Richmond is taken up by Virginia Commonwealth University and the University of Richmond. Richmond, that's Between right. Between the two schools, some <laughs> of the prime real estate in in Richmond is taken up by those. By those, those institutions. institutions. That's right. Okay. So, so this, and same with Durham and Duke. Oh, good. Right? Lord. Duke owns uh, quite a bit of really nice real estate in, in now. Duke's a private institution, private higher education institution, but it's still a five hundred one c three, as far as I'm aware. Yes, it is. So, yeah, you get into all kinds of things, but I want to ask you about the the popularity of this act. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, this. This is utterly fascinating to me, Nia. Okay, utterly fascinating. Okay, so you want to talk about the popularity within Congress or the popularity of same-sex marriage in the American population? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> I want to do the population first. Okay, so like, okay, what do people think? Okay, listeners, to put this in perspective. When DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, was passed in the mid-1990s, slightly under 25% of the American public supported gay marriage. Today, in most public opinion polls, support of gay marriage in the United States is between 70 and 71%. Nia, that is one of the most remarkable... That's almost tripling. Yes, remarkable public opinion changes, okay? Well, at least in our lifetime, right? And 70 to 71%, if you assume that the country is split more or less evenly with um, Democrat and Republican, yes, then you're talking about crossing um, yes. uh, political lines. Yes, support for DOMA does cut across partisan lines. Um, uh, uh, and, 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 and it's just, do you think that in part, okay, can let's just for just a second here, I personally think that some of that has to do with the fact that as more folks have come out as being gay, yes, more people have said, oh, gay people aren't weird. They're my neighbor. They're my kid. They're my friend they're my whoever i interact i interact with them at the pta and of course they should have yes marriage rights of course of course they should have other rights because they're going they're going they're just regular folk like everybody else right yeah they're going through the same thing that that those things are built on each other right is the idea that as society opened enough for people to be more comfortable saying they're gay then more people would say oh well gay people aren't scary i know gay people right and they're not scary at all they're just regular folk yeah and it's one of those things to where you don't even say today you know i know gay people no right i just know people i just know people Right. Okay. Right. There's not that the way it used to be when I was a kid. Well, and when I was a kid. Oh, yes. Gay characters on television were always bad or stupid. Yes. Right. They weren't just people. They were who, just, yeah. Okay. Who had lives, right? Who yeah, just that's had right. regular okay. lives. And then now you, that's so common that it's not a. 
it's not a thing. I it's mean, not it, remarked on. Well, yeah, it's not. It, yeah, and, and and because and it's it, not the crux of the joke anymore, the way it used to be. Like, yeah, it's, it's not the, the punchline of like really bad offensive jokes. Right? So we've come right. We've come enormously far just in our lifetime, in Augie and my lifetime, of 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 recognize, recognizing the sheer banality of people, yes. regardless of who their romantic interests are. Yeah. Uh, people it, are boringly the same, no matter who they are and who they love. It, it, one of the things that I've, I, I've tried to say to some of my friends at church is that, because <laughs> they're just like, because, you know, and I'm Catholic, so there are people in my congregation where I go to church who still have a who still, you know, have a problem with, you know, same sex marriage. Yeah, they, they fall know. into the 29, 30 percent. Yeah. Right. And I said, OK, but and they're like, well, Augie, why don't you have a problem? And I'm just like, do you do, do you watch, you know, do you interact? OK, with people who are in, you know, marriages who are same sex couples. I said they go through the same struggles. Right. You know, they they want good schools for their kids. Right. You know, they're trying to go ahead and decide whether or not, you know, they should take a different job. Right. right. They struggled with the pandemic, just like the rest of us. Right. They okay. had to try to find the down payment for a house. They the house had that, to, yes. Right. right. You know, they have to take the car to get the oil chain. They do all the that, same those things. couples. Right. OK. I'm, I'm like, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, I go running, you know, with these folks. I play basketball with them. I said, I got to be honest. You know what we talk about? We talk about the fact that we're middle-aged, you know, uh, folks, okay, who can't run as fast as we used to, <laughs> and we can't jump as high as and we used to. probably should have taken a Tylenol before you engaged in any of those. Yes, things. right? Like, you know. <laughs> So, you know, what do you, right, what, right, right. What do you put so on your body before you walk out? But I out? think that that helps with people yeah. saying, I don't understand why we would not give those folks rights. Right. I don't understand. Yes. They're not those folks. They're just us. They're just us. Okay. There's no separation in the folks. So as and, Dolly said, everybody should be equally unhappy in marriage regardless. <laughs> of, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so now in regards to Congress, Okay, uh, let's be very clear. The Respect for Marriage Act was supported primarily by Democrats. But what was really noteworthy was um, nearly a dozen Republican members of the Senate, including very prominently Mitt Romney, supported the law. Which is interesting because that is not part of his religious faith. Yes, right. Um, Mormonism Senator does not particularly support senator romney is a mormon he's been a lifelong mormon his family is multi-generations of mormons right um, and according to the mormon uh, church's doctrine um uh, uh same-sex couples is um, not recognized is not recognized okay but it was uh, as it, of this recording i mean yes, who yeah, knows it, what will change yeah it could change right it could change because you know things do i mean it's, what's fascinating to me is pope francis recently came out and said that homosexuality is not criminal and right. homosexuals should it's, not be treated like criminals. Right. He didn't say he supported it. No, he didn't he, say he that. Went, he did not go that to that length, but he did say stop he was, criminalizing. It's he not. Was, he was sending a very clear message 
to a number of nations that and are predominantly Catholic, right. you guys need to stop putting homosexuals in jail simply because they're homosexuals. Well, and there's a difference in his mind between sin and crime. And that's right. And okay. that's what which, he was underlining with his statements. There which was is a difference a, between those two. Which things. is a big, by the way, policy shift for our listeners who are not Catholics. That's a right. huge policy shift, <laughs> right. okay, coming from the head of the Catholic Church, right? right. Okay. Yeah, um, that's been, that's a couple thousand year shift right there. Yeah, right there. That is, right. Is like, and he oh, just oh. he just dropped it in a public speech. Yeah, right? he just like, went, he just went kaboom, and then he walked away. Like he <laughs> mic dropped it, which I yeah. think you know you got to admire that. So, so, but that part of what I think is is interesting is I was saying our lifetimes. That is a relatively, I mean, we're talking 25, 30 years here that this change has happened. Yes. Um, which is remarkable. And when people say there is no hope for the United States to change course, I would point to something like this and say there is hope. There is hope that we can change course. There is hope that we can say we were doing a thing and it was not a good thing. And we stopped doing that thing because it was not a good thing. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it's not complete. Let's be very clear. Exactly. I mean, okay. Ne neither. It's not perfect. Yeah. Neither Nia or I, okay. Uh, uh, think that this is a perfect situation in regards to recognizing um, uh, same sex couples. Okay. But the fact that the United States Congress responded within a half a year to a <laughs> concurring opinion okay? right, to the to a potential threat not a yeah. threat a potential, potential threat. threat okay again i've been studying the united states supreme court and its relationship with the other government institutions for basically most of my adult life this kind of response okay that happens so quickly okay is unheard of Right, is utterly unheard of. Okay, so um, I want to bring up one other point about this law, if that's okay with you. Sure. This law is so up Augie's alley <laughs> for <laughs> listeners. Oh, it's like his. It's it's like a little gift that the that Congress gave specifically to him, because you'll say, "What part of the Constitution is the authority for this law?" And oh. Augie will say to you, all of it, sit down, get a coffee, let's begin. Yeah, relax, right? put it's your feet up. It's not founded in any one yes. thing, right? It's founded in several things. Yeah, this law touches upon easily four or five different parts of the U.S. Constitution. So, as we've already discussed, marriage historically is a state right, okay, and that would be covered by what amendment, Nia? State Ten? Yeah, Ten. The, yeah, the 10th Amendment, all, right? All things not mentioned herein shall be part of the state, except that's yeah, it's, yeah, it's more reserved, or less that's what it's Yeah, saying. it's reserved to the states, right? Reserved if to the states. we state. didn't specifically enumerate it, okay. it's a state problem. However, because <laughs> of what the Supreme Court said in Obergefell, per the 14th Amendment, if the states grant marriage rights to opposite sex couples, they have to do it to same sex couples. So we have a second clause, right? Because that's equal. Equal protection. Equal that's protection. Right. Okay. Now, 
if the court did do what Clarence Thomas suggested in his concurrence in Dobbs and overturned Obergefell. I have a theory about that, by the way. Okay, we'll get to that theory in just a moment. I knew yep. you did, and I wondered <laughs> when I wondered when in this podcast episode it would come out. About right? my f- secret theory about yes. Justice Thomas. Okay. okay. So if the court did overturn Obergefell, Congress, in passing this law, relied upon which one of its authorities? Oh, the one it always relies on, because it's the Commerce Clause. It's the Commerce Clause, right? We're going to have a coffee mug, by the way, at some point that says that, because the Commerce Clause said so. Okay. And, And for those of you who are like, okay, what does commerce have to do with marriage? Here's the logic, right? Okay. Marriage confers benefits and generates economic economic activity across state lines. So therefore, okay. Right, because married people travel, married that, people that's right. buy homes, married okay. people do all kinds of things like that. So forcing states to comply with another constitutional provision, the full faith and credit clause, okay, generates a whole bunch of economic activity across state lines. <laughs> right. So now we have, okay, by my count, four clauses, but there's one more, but we have four. The 10th and 14th Amendments, the Commerce Clause, the Full Faith and Credit Clause, and then let us not forget, this law has an exception, okay? For the First Amendment. Okay, yes. For the free exercise of religion found in the First Amendment. Right. The state has to recognize these, but religion does not. That's right. Okay. And again, in a lot of my listeners, a lot of our listeners might be thinking, but the 14th Amendment says equal protection under the law. But the 14th Amendment applies to state governments, not private sector actors like businesses or churches churches or other nonprofits. Right. Okay. So this law does not circumvent the court's decision in the bakery case. That's right. Where they they found that the bakery did not have to, didn't they find that the bakery didn't have to provide? Yeah, the masterpiece um, uh, bakery case where the Supreme Court said that the state of Colorado showed so much animus towards (laughs) the bakery that their process was uh, violated the Constitution. Now, what's interesting is Colorado went back, changed their process, changed some of the members of their commission that reviews such cases, and they are now forcing the bakery once again, okay, (laughs) to make cakes, all right? And that case is working its way up through the lower federal court. As we record this episode. (laughs) This is exhausting. Okay. I don't think the bakery should be made to do that. It's a private business. But I also understand that people would say yes, but they get tax breaks. They get get loans from the state. They get all kinds of things like that. And if you're going to do that, then you can't be discriminatory. So, again, it comes back to those questions of, of... forcing people to do a thing but my argument to that is if i forced you to bake me goods would they be any good 
Do you know what I mean? Like my better way of punishing you is to tell every single one of my friends to never buy anything from your bakery again. Yes. Okay. And to publicize that you're a, that you're anti-gay, which means no gay people in the state will buy from your bakery. I mean, like that's a, that's my way of punishing you. Engage in an economic boycott. Right. You know, I'm I'm with my feet. I'm enough of a capitalist to where, you know, if I get, (laughs) if I get bad service at a certain place, I never go back. And I do what you just described. Yeah, you tell your okay. friends. I tell I'm my friends. I'm not going there. That I don't go on. I don't go online and do it because I don't. I I don't necessarily right. want to be the target of a lawsuit for <laughs> defamation. Okay, but I basically just and 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 I, and I know it's just me and my friends. But if enough of my friends join me with my boycott, it can hurt their bottom line. And for most business owners, the 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 most effective way to hurt them is their bottom line. Right. Okay. But so, you have a but theory. we'll see how that we'll see how that works through the courts. Yes. I have this super secret theory, which audio, y'all cannot see me, but I'm leaning forward. So yeah, she like is I'm leaning telling, forward. Like she I'm is. telling Augie a secret, even though we're on Zoom <laughs> and we're separated by many miles. Yeah. Um here's my theory. My theory is that Justice Thomas is actually for gay marriage and he put that threat in there <laughs> hoping that the congress would react <laughs> i don't but he's secretly on the other end of the spectrum from where people think he is <laughs> would that not be machiavellian oh that would be machiavellian no no doubt about it um i, I i'm not entirely sure i can support um your theory but I do believe Clarence Thomas would not have a problem if um, the matter of many of these constitutional issues were resolved at the state level. And I don't think it would bother Clarence Thomas all that much if, for instance, all 50 states tomorrow went ahead and said that same-sex marriage was legal within those states. He is... He he's is, a purist. He just he wants a, it to be done in the constitutionally. Correct, yeah, in the I'm correct, not entirely yeah. certain that he cares what gets no. done. No, yeah, he I, I, as I, long as it's yeah, particularly in line with his view of how the constitution. Because works. you know, because if you've read some of his other stuff, his non-judicial stuff, he's not a big. He, he doesn't he doesn't give very much weight or credence to most laws that are passed by Caucasians. I mean, as a younger man, he was a black nationalist, okay? And actually thought that to the extent that the government would allow, okay, African-Americans, okay, to do their own thing, because he frequently believes that anytime whites do things that benefit people of color, they're doing it in a very pejorative you know, condescending manner, okay? He just doesn't want the government, the federal government ordering, okay, um, what goes, what he believes should happen, okay, at the state and local and at the personal level. But he is, he is a constitutional principle purist, right? And he believes 
that Congress has limited enumerated powers and everything else should be left to the states. But so, this is a perfect example Yes. of when the court tells you how to do something, Congress, <laughs> yes. you can listen. You can listen, right? And the, the court does this on a not infrequent basis. basis. It will take a case and then it will say, you know, if this case, if this law read humana, 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 there'd be no way for us to misinterpret that. Yeah, that's right. It's too bad the law doesn't say that. Say that. Hint, hint. Hint. Right? Yes. And then Congress says, oh, I'm sorry, were you talking to us? We weren't paying attention. What? What were you saying? We're so and, busy arguing with each other, we don't right. hear anybody else, it, which is really a shame. And I'll give you an example. Um, uh, before we can uh, conclude this episode, Nia and I are, are recording um, uh, this episode in early March of 2023. Yeah, y'all will hear it in April. Sorry. Okay, but that's all right. You know, there's always a delay. Okay. But the week we're recording this episode, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the case of Biden, Biden versus Nebraska, President Biden versus the state of Nebraska. Which is, by the way, the student loan case. Yeah, the right? student loan forgiveness program case, whether or not President Biden had the legal authority to institute his student loan forgiveness program. Now, if members of Congress were actually listening to the comments made by a large majority of the Supreme Court justices, they would have taken the message that instead of President Biden creating this program unilaterally, that if Congress really wants to give student loan forgiveness, okay, to all of these Americans with student loans, Congress should pass a law to do so. Because a whole bunch of justices, including one of the liberals, okay, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, she even commented the sheer scope of the loan forgiveness program, okay, does suggest that perhaps Congress should be involved, right? Right. So if they were looking for messages or cues from the Supreme Court, all you all they would have to do is have one of their staffers do a Listen. summary do a summary <laughs> of the oral argument okay and then go ahead and schedule a committee hearing okay you know later this year and say well it looks like the supremes are going to go ahead and do this and this is important to our constituents so we should probably go ahead and pass a law that does this right right but they probably won't nope. instead they'll let the supreme court issue a ruling and if I had to venture a guess just by reading the oral argument transcript, Nia. They will find against Biden. Yeah, they'll find against Biden. And then a whole bunch of a whole bunch of Americans who were hoping that at least a percentage of their student loans would be forgiven, okay, are going to be stuck with this. And Congress won't do anything. And that's really a shame because if this is the problem that the Biden administration says it is, and a whole bunch, okay, of, you know, you know, student advocacy groups and students say that this is a significant problem. Economists say, okay, young people leaving college with all this student loan debt, okay, puts them behind. Well, 
and purely from the congressional point of view of I want to be reelected, this is a not insignificant number of people. Sure. Vote. And they're young. And if they start voting for you in your party when they're young, Neil, they'll what stay they? with you. Yeah, that's they will right. stay with you. They we know stay. that parties that people rarely change parties once they yeah, party affiliation is still the leading determinant of how a person's going to vote. Right. Okay. And when they start, <laughs> when they're young. Even if Congress was just being self-serving by saying, I want to get these voters on my side. Yes. I want to show them that I did this thing. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly about President Biden, but that's what he's trying to do. Sure. That's what, exactly what he did. And, and he did right and, before the midterm elections last fall. And the GOP could run with that, too, if they wanted to. Sure. And okay. say, look, we're the ones who gave it to you. You should give us your votes. Yeah. I don't know. Be, the whole thing's be. not being played very well. In my no. Opinion. And again, that's one but, government institution speaking to another one if they're willing to listen. Exactly. And, and the Supremes do that not infrequently. Frequently, yes. When you read the opinions, they're like, oh, they're sending a message. Sure and, they are. And Congress is like, do, 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 do. They're just wandering away, <laughs> not right. paying attention. Like, okay. And, and, and by the way, please forgive us, listeners, and, and I am going to do this, but that's the thing about discourse. Discourse means... One active side, listening active as listening. well as talking there are two sides to discourse right right but if one side is not listening it isn't discourse that's a monologue right yep <laughs> okay but here's an opportunity for the congress to listen and respond okay and you know what the other way they could respond is by saying, by passing a law saying, we will never under any circumstances forgive a student loan no matter what. Like, that's yes. the other way they could go yes. if they wanted to make sure that this doesn't end up in the courts again and again and again and again. Yes, yes. Is to say, the president does not have the power to do this or whatever. I, yeah, there's some really interesting, we're going to yeah. have to dig in further on that. But, 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 but back to this particular law, uh, listeners, if you get a chance and it will be in the research guide, uh, uh, take a look at the provisions of this law because, uh, again, it was it, for me and I, it was noteworthy on a number of levels. Yeah, and it's a pretty masterful threading of the question, right? Yes. Yes. Where you had to, as you said earlier, where you had to bring in the more um, conservative folks by saying, "But we won't touch religion. That's we right. won't make we won't make this a requirement of faith-based organizations." But we are. Gonna, we will limit it to government organizations. Organizations. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna force states to comply with the full faith and credit clause of the U.S. Constitution. Right. And there's a whole bunch of, uh, of law professors who teach contracts in law school who are like, woohoo, <laughs> a new case to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nia, great discussion. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries.
Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.